Jesus. Praise God. One, uh, I'm excited about about a particular revelation that I want to share with you today because it impacts every Christian, every Christian that is, is alive on this planet. And as we go through this life that God has given us, amen, amen. And one of the things that we miss so much when we are praying and so forth and when we're asking God for things in our lives and for things for our loved ones and everything that we have around us, we forget that what we're praying for, we've already got it. You already have what you've been praying for. What do you need the Lord to do for you? Do you need the Lord to heal you? Do you need the Lord for, to, to, to fatten your bank account? Do you need prosperity? Do you need more money? The truth is, is that you don't need the Lord to do anything else for you. He's already done his part. God has already done his part. You've already got it. Whatever the it is that you're praying for, you already have it. Now, I want you to get this because this is going to kind of change your, 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 your spiritual thinking, if you will, to around to another place here when we have to more seriously think about what the word of God is really telling us, what God is telling us through his word. OK, you we already have what God what it is that you're praying for. You already have it. Go to second Peter. Let's start with going right to the word of God. Amen. We can't say or do anything in this ministry unless it is backed up by the word of God. Amen. Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one. We pray for things. And if you're praying for something, that means that you're asking God to do something because you're either missing it or something you want to accomplish or, or whatever it is, whatever the it is. And what I'm saying to you, based on the word of God, you already have it. Second Peter chapter one, verse number three. Let's start at the foundations here. Verse number three. According to his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So going back to verse 3 here, according to his divine power, has given, please underline, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Okay? According to God's divine power, he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All right? So anything that we need, God has already given us. It says here that through his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Anything that pertains to life and anything that pertains to us having the ability to, to have godliness, to be God-like, all of those attributes, things that we, we think we would need, God has already given us. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Okay? The only thing that we are lacking is knowledge and understanding. It's because of the fact that we don't understand the concept that we, that we just read, that we don't realize the fact that everything that we need in this life, God has already given us. Many Christians live in a constant state of trying to get God to do something. We constantly pray to God, oh God, do this, do that. God, I need this, I need that. They are begging God to move through revival, healing, prosperity, etc. 
people still run from meeting to meeting, seeking God to do something and praying to God to do something, trying to get something from God, not realizing that they already have it. If we go to Ephesians 1, go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number, verse number 3, Ephesians 1, verse number 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Underline, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And we should be holy and without blame before him, uh, before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And we'll just pause there. But again, going back to verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It doesn't say who will bless you. It says that he has already blessed you, you see. But as Christians, when we're going before God and we're pleading and pleading and pleading, we forget that what God has given us, he's already given it to us. And we're going to look at later on, then, so then what is it that we should be praying for and how do I appropriate if God has already given it to me? All right. This says in the, in the uh, scripture there that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, meaning it's already done. You already have all spiritual blessings. You already have it. But many Christ- Christians don't realize what they have. If they're sick in their bodies, instead of starting from by his stripes, I was healed. And of course, with one Peter two, four. Or I, or, or, or I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in me. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. Do you realize that you have the, the same power that raised Jesus, which was the Holy Spirit, which raised Jesus, which resurrected Jesus? That same Holy Spirit is residing in you. Do you realize that? Okay. Many times we just simply, you know, glaze over it and we forget it. Okay. And many times people will take the doctor's report or the pain in their bodies and say, I'm sick, God. Will you heal me? When you're feeling ill or you're feeling bad, you start praying, oh, Lord, I'm sick. Will you heal me? Okay, but what does the scripture say? By his stripes, I am healed. And Jesus took on the stripes, what, some 2,000 years ago? So that means that it's a done deal. If you don't understand you already have it, quote, unquote, this might be one of the main reasons that you aren't receiving from God. You need to get a revelation of this. Jesus has already provided Everything you will ever need. I say that again. Jesus has already provided everything that you'll ever need. You're blessed with all spiritual blessings, all of them. God didn't say, I'm going to give you blessing number one, blessing number seven, blessing number 12, blessing number 15, and the others are going to come later on. God has already done it. He's given you all spiritual blessings. We go to the book of John. Amen. Praise the living God. Go to the book of John. John chapter 4, John chapter 4, and starting with verse number 19, this is when he was talking to the woman at the well, and he told her that he, uh, 
that uh, you, you've already had five husbands, etc. And she was surprised. And she says in verse number 19, the woman saith unto him, sir, I perceive, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what we know, what we worship. I'm sorry. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Underline, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. So God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Underline there, God is a spirit, if you don't already have it underlined. God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and he moves in the spiritual realm. Everything that drives this physical realm is in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm precedes and governs over the physical realm. So if you will, the spiritual realm is where it's happening. That's the place to be. That's the place to, to guide ourselves in the spiritual realm for what's happening in the spiritual realm. Whether or not we see a physical manifestation of what he has already done in the spiritual realm, whether or not we see it, okay, it, it, what he has done is dependent upon what we believe and how we act, not on what he has done. Okay, so let me read that again. Whether or not we see a physical manifestation of what he has done in the spiritual realm, okay, it's dependent upon what we believe and how we act, not on what he has done. Okay, so 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 God has said that he's already healed you and he's already blessed you with everything that you need. While we don't see the physical manifestation of that, what triggers that coming into the physical manifestation is manifestation is what we believe and how we conduct our lives. What kind of actions we take, how much how deep our faith is. It is not up to the Lord to heal us. He's already healed us by his stripes. We are healed. One Peter two twenty four. Healing has already been provided. I'm using healing as, as an example here for a little bit here, just to, just to paint and illustrate a point. But healing has already been provided. Financial prosperity has already been provided. Joy and peace and everything that you will ever need in this life, emotionally, has already been provided. God has already given you joy. But just because you don't feel the joy or you don't, don't, don't experience the joy doesn't mean that God hasn't given it to you. How you access that joy and how you receive that joy is what can be preventing you from being joyful, from experiencing joy. If you're having a down day, if things aren't going right, if you don't feel good, you don't need to embrace discouragement or despair and hopelessness. But the average Christian just embraces this stuff saying, oh, God, I ask you to touch me. When you're feeling down and out, you start saying, oh, Lord, speak to me. Touch me in your own special way. Touch me. The average Christian just embraces this stuff saying, oh, God, please come and help me. The Bible says that you've already received all of these things. And so the logical question is, then, where is it? If you've received all of these things, the logical question is, well, Pastor, what are you saying? Because where is it? All right, let's go to Galatians. Book of Galatians. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Alrighty, coming up, Galatians. Good grief. I can't see these pages here. Corinthians. Praise the living God. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Pages sticking together on me. Galatians 5. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh, the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. It says there that love, joy, peace, etc. are in you if you're born again. It's right there in your spirit. Many people claim they don't feel the love of God. Well, how do you feel the love of God? It's how you look at how you look at God and how you have to remember the fact that, well, God has given me his, his love. He's, he's poured it out upon me. And you have to believe God for what he says. The truth is, is that God has already poured out his love toward you. And you can see that it says here in Romans in uh, Romans. Let's go there. Romans five. Okay, Romans chapter 5, starting with verse, of, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by what? By faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Please underline, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Okay, so you see there that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you read here, read here again also, um, by whom we have access, verse 2, by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice with hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but the glory in we glory in tribulations also, knowing that what? Knowing that tribulations works patience and patience experience and experience hope. So when you have a tribulation and through that tribulation, when God brings you through, it then gives you patience. It gives you patience in knowing that, gee whiz, I have this tribulation, but I know that in time God is going to bring me through that. And then as you're waiting, as you're waiting and God brings you through that tribulation, that tribulation then again, it brings experience. Because the experience is that you look back when a new tribulation comes on, you look back and say, well, gee whiz, I patiently waited for God before. When I had those other situations and then before that I had a situation and I patiently waited on God. So therefore that tells me experience tells me that God will bring me through this tribulation also. 
So every time that we can get to the point of, of, of realizing this revelation here, that wait a minute, I already have it. When something comes into your life that is challenging you, you look back and you remember the tribulations that God brought you through before. And why did he bring you through that before? Because you have all things. You've been blessed. God has already done it. God has already done miraculous things in your lives. It's just that we have to wait for it to manifest itself in the physical realm many times. But it's already been done. It's already been done. It's a done deed. But at that particular point in time, we may not feel it. Okay? God loves you whether you feel it or not. His love has been poured in your heart. It's been poured into your spirit. God's love is not conditional upon your good actions or your holiness. There's no works that you can do to make God love you. There's no works. You know, I hear many people, many people, many people are, 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 are so are so deceived. You know, they think because, I don't know, you know, I, I give half my salary to the church and I'm, I'm on the church board. I'm on the choir and I'm in this and I'm in that. And I'm, I'm in the church Sunday service. I'm in the church uh, Sunday afternoon service. I'm in the Wednesday service and I'm doing all of these things. Um, um, I go down to the bridge and I help the homeless and I feed the homeless and so I bring them blankets. And I'm doing all of these things and they feel good about themselves and whatnot. They think that this is what, is what uh, uh, fosters or encourages God's love for them. It's none of that. It's none of that. It's not by works. God loves you unconditionally. And even when we trip and stumble and whatnot, guess what? God still loves us. We have to go back and repent if we trip and stumble and if we sin. Yeah, you have to go back and repent of that. But God still loves you. He still loves you. And there's nothing that we can do on this earth that will make God love us anymore. You see? But many times also what the devil will use is that doggone condemnation when you slip and stumble that you'll start doubting how much God loves you. You see, and then then you're, you're 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 resisting the fact that God still loves you regardless of what. That'll slow down your praying to Him. It'll slow down your thoughts towards Him. It, it may even block Holy Spirit, you hearing Holy Spirit because you are forgetting a fact that God loves you unconditionally, unconditionally. One time, in terms of, of, of uh, not realizing what you have, God has given that to you as everything else that God has given you. And we don't realize that we already have it. You know, one time I was coming back on the train from a late meeting. And I was on Amtrak coming back. And it was, was late and I was, was hungry. I mean, I was hungry. And for whatever reason, the snack car on the train was closed down. And boy, I said, boy, I wish I had something to eat, you know. And that was the longest ride from Portland to Salem in my life, okay? And then when I got home and whatnot, and of course my wife, dinner was ready and stuff like that. And then our, um, I was unpacking my briefcase, taking, taking my fo- file folders out and things like that. And in emptying it out, I reached down in the bottom of the bag. And guess what was in the bottom of the bag? One of those little snack bars. One of those snack bars. If I had had that snack bar on that train, that would, I would have been one happy camper. But guess what? I already had it, and I didn't know I had it. So the snack bar was in that bag, but I did not benefit from it because I didn't know that I have it. I didn't know, you see. And this is where we are spiritually with God. We have everything that we need in this life to be successful. God has already blessed us. Jesus went to the cross and set us free from the dominion of darkness and sickness and death. It's already been done, but many times we don't realize that we have it. Just as, just as sure as that candy bar was. It wasn't hidden in my bag. I just didn't know it was there. It wasn't like anyone was hiding it. I just didn't see it. Many times when the things in life come up against us, we don't see what God has already done. Or we tend to forget it. Okay? We tend to forget. 
You see, you see. So just because you don't see something in life doesn't mean that you don't already have it. When you know that you already have something from God, it helps to take the struggle out of life. You don't struggle quite as quite as long as hard. It takes you out of a legalistic mentality of trying to earn things from God. You can't earn things from God. It removes doubt. It removes doubt. When you start 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 believing that Jesus, I have prosperity. I have all the money that I need. Then it starts leading. It starts taking some of the struggle out of your life. Gee, when you start start thinking that 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 oh, I've been victorious, I can overcome these people. I can overcome these things that are being said. It's because God has said it's already done. It's already done. But we forget that. Okay, and then doubt starts coming in there and starts making you wonder, am I going to be able to succeed? Will I achieve what it is that I'm paying, that I'm praying for? Will I be able to pay the mortgage? Will I be able to pay the rent? Will I be able to get a better job? Will I be this? Will I that? Will I this? You know, but God has already done it. He's already done it and you already have it. It's just that it takes some time. Sometimes it takes time to manifest itself in this world. It takes us out of the legalism, though, thinking that I have to earn something from God. How could you ever doubt that you'd get something that you already have? It's really that simple. You know, I mean, if I was to hand you my, hand you a pen that you needed to write something with and then give it to you and say, okay, go ahead and write. And then I walk away and then you're still saying, I need a pen. I need a pen. Well, guess what? I just gave you a pen. The pen is in your hand. Go on and use it. You see, well, God's already given it to you. You already have it. Sometimes that, that when you pray, um, uh, uh, when you pray for what you've already got, you may be getting silence from God. You see, when you keep praying, praying to God for something that he's already given you, you wind up getting some silence from God because God, I believe, is there saying, well, why is he or she praying for that? I've already given it to him. Already she already has it. See, so sometimes we wind up praying the wrong way because why would we pray for something that we already have? God's already, in God's mind, he's given it to you. In Joshua 1, God would say, well, let's go to Joshua. Joshua 1. We've been there many times before. Joshua chapter 1, good old verse number 9. Joshua 1, verse number 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. If you don't have that already underlined or bracketed, put a bracket around number nine. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. God might be saying sometimes, why do my children keep asking me to go with them? God might be saying, why is he or why is she constantly praying, God, go with me? Don't they realize that I already said that I'm with you? Don't they realize that I already said I am here? So if you want to pray for God to be with you or for God to go with you or God to guide you, perhaps your prayer should be something. Well, the way I always pray is that, Lord, continue to be with me as I go to so-and-so. Because I know that you said you will be there, but now I'm going to so-and-so. God, come on, go with me. But not doubting the fact or just asking God to be with you as though he's not with you. Because God said that he is with you. So if God is with you, don't you think he realizes the need that you have? 
Though if God is with you, don't you think he realizes the, the, the trials or the challenges that you're going through? If God is with you, don't you think he overhears the conversations that people are saying to you? Don't you think that God overhears and sees the challenges and the, the, the tribulation that you're going through, so to speak? Because God is with you. You see, and, and, and because of the fact, because of the fact and it's the hardest thing for us human beings to do, us Christians, Christians, is 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 for us to believe that God is with us or is here. And why is that? Because we simply don't see him. You see, because we don't see him. So many times it's hard for us Christians. And I don't care how long you've been born again, how long you've been following the Lord and everything, that many times we forget that God is right here with us. God is here in the middle of this sanctuary. God's angels are here. Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. But simply because we don't see him does not mean that he is not here. And especially because God said that he is here. You see? So why do we doubt God's, God's word? Why do we doubt? Okay? We can believe everything else that the Bible says many times. But then when it comes down to us simply believing that God is with us, we have a hard time believing it. Or we forget it. We forget it. We already have these things that we're asking for many times. And you remember, again, that in Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ's name. Okay? He's already done it. He's already done it. You see, you see, you see the, 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 the spiritual realm guides what is happening in the physical realm down here, so to speak. What happens in heaven guides and governs what is happening in this place here. All right. We live in this world, but we are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven. Okay. And as citizens of heaven, God says that I fight all the battles. You will know that you've seen, you've seen many, many war movies or, or, or I should say movies in, um, in like in the Middle Ages where you had kings and things like that there. Okay. Who fought the battle? It wasn't, it wasn't the citizens of the place that fought the battle. It was the king and the king's army fought the battles. The citizens of those European countries didn't fight the battle. The king and his army fought the battles. Well, in this spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, God is referred to as the king. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. And, and God says that the battle is mine, saith the Lord. It's not our battle because we're the citizens. And God's army is who? God's army are the ministering angels. So God and his angels fight the battle. We are citizens. Or we have to sit back and say that and realize that the king did all of this for me. Eons ago, thousands of years ago, God did all of this for me. Culminated by the sending of his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. God did all of, us for, all of this for me. God said that the battle is not mine. So why do we take up the battle? God already told us that the battle is his. So God has it. God is, is, is all powerful. He's omnipotent. He's got all of this going on. He's got the ministering angels to be here on earth fighting for us. So why do we try to fight the battle? God has already done it and therefore you already have it. If these blessings are in heavenly places, then the bridge, what is the bridge that brings them down to earth? Is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ bridged the gap. All right. Remember when he died on the cross and he gave up the ghost, it says that this veil to the temple was torn in two. So therefore, now, 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 it was not required that one man would go once a year into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood and so forth. That wasn't required anymore. OK, now we all have access to God through Jesus Christ. That's why the veil in that ancient temple in Israel was ripped in two. 
It was now open to all those that believed in Jesus Christ and that were born again. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. You see, so he bridges the gap for us. Okay. Now, it says that those spiritual places are in heavenly places in Christ, but they are also in you because you are in Christ. Now, this is another concept that we, it's hard for us to, to imagine um, how we can be in someone, all right? But spiritually, we are in Christ Jesus, you see? So we have to get our minds, we've got to reorient our thinking from everything that is so um, uh, 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 physically linked, because we think about the physical realm all the time, because that's what we see, taste, touch, and, and hear. We have to get our minds thinking more in the spiritual sense, knowing that God is in you and you are in Jesus. Amen? You are in Jesus Christ. So therefore, the spiritual blessings that are in heavenly places that are in Christ, those same spiritual blessings are in you. They're in you. But we forget about that as Christians. Let's go uh, to Philemon. Lehman, it's, uh, that's right, right before Hebrews. It's a little small book that's tucked away in there. Okay, Philemon, little small book tucked away in there right before Hebrews and after Titus. Okay. One book, uh, it doesn't really have chapters, it just has a list of verses. Amen. Amen. Philemon, right before Hebrews. Praise the living God. Okay. Uh, Philemon one, uh, 6, verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Okay? The communication of thy faith may become effectual, okay, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the knowledge, by you knowing that everything which is in you in Christ Jesus, all right? So you have to be knowledgeable about what is in you. This explains, this explains a, a, a truth. Paul was praying that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. That means that your faith would begin to work, that your faith may begin to work acknowledging the fact that everything that is good is in you in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, that takes a little bit of thinking about, but don't dwell on it too long. To simply, by an act of your faith, faith realize that everything that is in Christ is in you. All the potential goodness is in you. Every good thing that is in you is in Christ, so that means that you've already got it. Now, if you just go forward to Hebrews here, Hebrews verse number 13, praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content. 13 verse, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said... I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, underline it. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Okay? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, you know, what did God tell Joshua? Now, Jesus is telling us here. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That is a fact. God has already stated it. 
I will not fear what man has done to me. So why do we get so upset when a human being says something to us or does a particular thing? Why do we get so upset when our boss calls us into the office or we get an email, you need to see me at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning or Monday morning and here it is Friday. And we worry from Friday, Saturday and Sunday into Monday worrying about what's going to happen. We don't fear what any man can do, can do to you because what did God say? He said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. All right. See, now that's a fact of reality. God has already taken care of us, but we Christians, so many times, we forget about these things when things come up in our lives and they get called on the carpet or someone in the family or whatever's going on around us, they're saying negative things. And especially if someone is in a, is in a so-called position of power, and I put that in quotes, if someone is in some position of power or authority over you, when that person starts speaking negative towards you, you get all shaky and nervous in the knees and so forth. Why should you fear that? Why should you fear that? God will not forsake you. I don't care if you have to get you get called into court or anything else that's going on. I will not, not fear what man can do to me. Okay, okay. The only one that we should fear, and I say fear, when I say fear referencing God, I'm talking about fear, not meaning being afraid of God, but fear is reverence of God. That's the only one that we should fear because God is the only one that has the power to send our souls upwards or downwards. <laughs> Amen. That's the only one that we should be concerned about is God. Amen. But never be afraid of what of what man can do. God has already done it and already taken care of you. <clears throat> so instead of praying, uh, 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 just be with me this week or, oh, God, where are you? Try praying. Thank you, Father, that you'll never leave me. Thank you, Father, that you're always always there. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Start off by acknowledging the good things that the word says are in you, and then your faith begins to be effective. When you can start realizing, acknowledging that what the word says, then your faith becomes bolstered. bolstered. You start seeing these things manifest in your life so that it becomes much easier than for you to be begging and pleading God to come. Amen? Amen? When you start realizing that they're there. We see that in John 19, God has already done his part. And let's go back to John again. Thank you, Jesus. John 19. Nineteen, verse 28. Nineteen, twenty-eight. After this... After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, underline Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a set, there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put upon, uh, put it upon hyssop and put it in his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Underline, it is finished. He said, it is finished. Okay? At that point, Jesus said, no other work needed to be done. Everything that he had been sent here to do, Jesus did. The work was finished. It was done. So there's nothing else that Jesus needs to do, so to speak, for you in your life because it's already been done. That means, however, though, that while we are praying to God, 
acknowledge the fact that it is done, it has been done in the spiritual realm, and all you're doing now is that you're waiting for it to manifest itself in the physical realm. But as far as the blessing that you're praying for, it's been done. As far as, as far as the prosperity you're praying for, it's been done. As far as the healing you might be praying for, it's been done. Now all it needs to do is to manifest itself in the physical realm. But there's no additional work that needs to be done by God. So when you're praying to God, what I'm saying to you is that when you're praying to God, then what you're praying to God is you are acknowledging the fact that it has been done and that you're thanking God for it manifesting itself in the natural. Okay, and you're expressing your belief. All right. If you're praying for a a new car, let's just say, and you pray for that car that one time, God, I need a new car, et cetera, et cetera. And you go for and you may even want to be more specific. And say that I want a brown car with a so-and-so and a so-and-so and so-and-so. And then until that materializes, your subsequent prayer each day is not, God, I need a brown car. I need a brown car. You don't pray that every single day because God answers your prayers in heaven. Then your subsequent prayer should be after that initial prayer should be, thank you, Lord God, for I believe that I have received that brown car. And and what you're saying to God is, yes, God, I thank you because I know it's been done. It's been done in heaven. It's been taken care of. And now, Lord, I'm thanking you because I believe that I have received it. And then when you do finally receive it, then your final prayer is, thank you, Lord God, for I have received that brown car. Okay? And I say this to you. It's funny. I use the brown car thing. But um, one time, show you how long ago this was, I was praying for, I liked the Monza. It was made by Chevrolet, and uh, um, it was a Monza. This was uh, 1980, and I liked brown, and I was literally praying for a brown Monza, and I wanted stick shift, beige interior, et cetera, et cetera, okay? I loved that little car, the Monza, and so I was praying for it. I even had a little um, sticker in my desk drawer so that every time I opened the desk drawer, I would say, thank you, Lord, for I believe that I have received it. So long story short, some of you may have heard parts of this. Um, We had a yellow gremlin at the time. Now, who would buy a gremlin in in their right mind is another thing. But uh, and of course, the the color yellow, like a lemon. And this car was just dying on us left and right. And many, many prayers got us from point A to point B and all the snow that was in New York, et cetera, et cetera. So we uh, picked up, uh, picked the phone book. When that car died, we needed a car. And I went through the phone book and found a dealer. Monza happened to be made by Chevy back, Chevrolet back then. And picked up the phone and said, I'm looking for a Monza, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, we happen to have one in stock. Come on down. I remember it was snowing. We jumped in a taxi and went down there to the dealership. And he said, it's out back in the lot. And this is New York, so there's a lot of snow. And we went to the parking lot there, and he picked up a, a tarp, and he said, it's right here. They had the cars covered. And pulled back the tarp, and there it was, a brown Monza with a beige interior. It was exactly what I had been praying for. I kid you not, this is a true story. True story. It was that brown Monza with the beige interior, stick shift, and so on. Okay? So, and of course, I just looked at this thing and went on, and we went on, and we got the car, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I never forgot that, because God can be very, very specific if you are specific with him. 
The fact is that it was done in the heavenlies. It was done. It was just a matter of time for it to be manifest in the physical realm. And that's what happened. So when you're praying to God, first of all, believe that it was already done, that God has already answered your prayer. What did uh, the angel tell Daniel when he was praying for the answer to the dream? Uh, the angel said, or uh, the angel came to Daniel to bring the answer to the, to the prayer. And he said that when you first prayed, God heard you. Angel said to Daniel, it's in Daniel 10, I believe it is. When, when God, you, God heard your t- prayer the first time you answered, and I was bring, you prayed, and I was coming to you to bring you the answer, okay? But the prince of Persia, was a, was a demonic entity, a demon, said, withstood me twenty and one days as I was bringing the answer to the prayer to you. Then the archangel Michael came along and helped me to defeat the, uh, the demon, okay? So what I'm saying to you is that God answers your prayer when you first pray it, when you first pray it up. It's already been done. It's just a matter then of you having faith, holding on to that faith until it manifests itself in the physical realm. So just remember that as you're praying, know that God has already done it. And then you just be faithful in thanking God in advance. And then when it is indeed manifested on this earth, then you thank God for receiving it. You need to be, you need to be healed. It's already been done. Jesus bore stripes in his body 2,000 years ago. You need to be saved. It says in 1 John 2, 2, that he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's already forgiven the sins of the entire world. It's not a matter, matter if God will forgive you. He's already forgiven sins. Will you receive his forgiveness? Will you put faith in what Jesus has done? That's the issue. Now, don't get mistaken now. I'm not saying that because Jesus, Jesus forgave sins that you can just go on and have a, um, you can just go on and have a, a license to just sin. I'm not saying that at all. If you sin, the word of God says quite clearly that you have to come and confess that sin. Okay, but what Jesus did was through the act on the act of the uh, through the act of the cross was that he forgave us the sins of mankind so that we could we could have the ability to to go to heaven. We could have the ability to not be to be damned into eternity forever does not mean you have a license to sin. But Jesus forgave mankind of the sins and we have the ability now to go to heaven. God has already forgiven you. He's healed you. He's already commanded his blessing upon you and your finances. He's already given you love, joy, and peace. Now, what I'm saying is very, very powerful if you can wrap your head around it. This is where so many Christians are missing it. They know that God can do all things, but they don't think that he's done anything yet. Many Christians don't realize that God has already done it. God knows, They know that God can do things, but they don't think that God has already done it. Many Christians start from a position of unbelief. They get crossways with the word of God. In regards to healing, the proper way to do it is to take Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So it depends on how you wind up confessing things. We need to begin to believe that things have happened that we can't see, taste, smell, or feel. We can believe that there are television and radio waves out there, signals in the atmosphere, but you don't see them. But you know that when you turn on your car radio or, or your cell phone and you, you, you make the proper uh, um, channel selection, station selection on your radio, that you can dial in that channel, that station. But you don't see it, but it does exist. So many times we forget that because we can't see God in action, we can't see what's happening in the spirit world, we forget that it really, really exists. All right? We need to begin to apply this to spiritual things. Okay? We can't limit 
limit this concept to just the physical realm. The same way you realize that radio waves exist, telephone waves exist, you have to realize that things of the spirit realm are very, very real. In closing here, there is more going on than just what you can perceive and see with your five senses. There is more than just, you know, your soulless, your emotional realm. There's a lot more that's going on that you can't see. You have to really believe that there is a spiritual realm and that what God is saying through his word um, is a reality for you. It is indeed a reality for you. But many times we forget it. So, again, it's like taking, it's taking your, your, your mind and your head and reorienting it to the things of God. And you've got to remember that when you start running into trials and tribulations in your life, you have, to start, you have to start thinking about it from a spiritual perspective, not from a physical perspective. When things start going wrong or something that you're, you're hoping for and that you're praying for, you've got to shift your head out of the physical realm and stop looking at what's going on around you. You've got to stop looking at what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what you're feeling and go back to, 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 to the real realities. And that's what the word of God says. The real realities of that is that God says that he has made every single provision for you already. All you have to do is avail yourself, is to, is to claim it. Go back and think about, the, think about if you want to remember, the little story I told you about coming back on the train hungry with a snack bar in my briefcase and not knowing it was there. Not knowing it was there. If I had known that snack bar was there, I would have taken it and I would have eaten it and it would have benefited me. Well, the thing that you have to remember is that when there's something that you're wishing for, you're hoping for, and that you're praying for, and there's a so-called need in your life, remember that God has already done it. Now, how do I, how do I claim it? First of all, I claim it by believing that God has already done it. That means that I'll be able to pay that bill. I'll be able to succeed at doing this. I'll, I'll get the job promotion. I'll get the car. Whatever it is, you believe that you already have received it because God has given you all spiritual blessings. And if you have all spiritual blessings, then that means that you'll be blessed here on this physical planet Earth because the blessings will follow you through. Amen. Amen. So just we go here, go here today, remembering from here today, remembering that you already have it, whatever it is that you may be desiring and praying for. In the name of Jesus, I pray that this message was a blessing to you. Now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.